Welcome to Saucy Shorts, brought to you by Copycat Creative. This is Home Fires by Catherine Case, read by Helen Keeley. He was getting too old for this. Bertie eased the BMW into one of the two gravelled parking spaces outside his home. Once the pleasing rumble of the engine had died away, he sat very still for a few moments. He listened to the hiccuping of crickets and felt the warm heaviness of the August night cling to him, even in the relative coolness of the car. He rubbed both palms up and down his face. He massaged his tired eyes and ran a hand over the salt and pepper stubble of his chin. He used to be such a slave to the clean shave. Marianne hated the angry red soreness that his excess chin hair inflicted on her own mouth and chin. She'd always disliked homeless chic, and thought it looked tatty, slovenly. But Dora, Dora loved a beard. Dora liked him rugged, a bit like Ben Affleck, an idea that had stoked his ego more than he was proud of. Frankly, he was just pleased to get one of her celebrity references for once. He'd lost count of the times he'd had to discreetly slip his phone out of his pocket to Google Chloe Kardashian, or Haley Baldwin, or some other buzz name that had left him blank and uncomprehending. Dora worshipped these people, these balloon-bottomed, pillow-lipped, excessively tattooed icons who plastered their lives across social media and named their children after the weather. He didn't understand it himself, but Dora would spend hours mindlessly scrolling through Instagram feeds and poring over glossy gossip magazines. She would stand on her bed, in that lacy red lingerie that gave him heart palpitations, trying to assess her backside from all angles, repeatedly asking him if he thought the beach body workout was making a difference. He knew what the correct answer was, and he gave it dutifully. But personally, he couldn't see any difference. She was always toned, always lean, always gorgeous the kind of gorgeous that was gifted to girls her age without cost. She didn't need to do 25 squats a day. She could lie around on that green velvet sofa of hers eating beef-flavoured hula hoops all day and still be a knockout. This fact stirred within him a not altogether peaceful cocktail of lust and jealousy. He reached into the car's cup holder and fished through a sticky nest of gum wrappers and Dora's hair grips before retrieving his wedding ring. He wiped it on his jeans before slipping it onto the third finger of his left hand and gathering up his laptop case and phone. He unfolded himself from the front seat and nudged the car door shut with his hip before striding over the gravel towards his home. The automatic floodlights jumped into life, bathing him in bright light. He noticed, with some irritation, that someone had driven over the far corner of his lawn, leaving deep, muddy trenches across the lovingly nurtured grass. Fucking postman. He was always tearing up and down the drive, delivering Marianne her numerous and varied Amazon purchases. Special tablets for deep cleaning the washing machine, razor-sharp mandolins, tiny Le Creuset casserole ramekins, brightly patterned yoga mats, a new cordless iron that would make roomy, their morose cleaners, life a little easier. Marianne's commitment to Amazon was deep and loving. It seemed she could scarcely go a day without checking in on it and sending herself little gifts on its behalf. As he let himself in, 
tossing his keys into the Venetian glass bowl that dominated the hall side table and kicking off his brogues. He began to detect a familiar sensation. It was the same one that welcomed him with open arms every time he returned home after spending the evening with Dora. It wasn't the hot, prickly stab of guilt, really. It felt somehow cooler than that. A cold, dull ache that started at his temples and slowly crept over his entire body until even his toes felt icy. He wandered through to the large kitchen in his socks, noticing as he lined his brogues up with the other shoes that a large, dirty pair of Converse sneakers had been strewn carelessly across the hallway. Max, their son, must have absconded from university for the weekend. Fuck's sakes, Bertie swore internally. That boy was always sloping home in the middle of term to empty the fridge and drop off his laundry. He was 21, for crying out loud. It was time he got himself a bloody girlfriend to do this shit for him. The sooner they could palm him off, the better. Bertie and Marianne's kitchen was, in a word, magnificent. A large central island topped with smooth, grey-flecked granite sat beneath a gleaming gallery of hanging copper pans. A huge American-style fridge hummed purposefully in the corner, and a huge duck-egg blue agar was set off by bespoke dove-grey cabinets with little copper-cup handles. It was a thing of Pinterest-inspired beauty and Marianne's pride and joy, entirely her domain. One of the main advantages to being married to her was that she was universally acknowledged to be a truly miraculous cook. Schooled by her Italian mother, Marianne could whip up restaurant-grade food like it was nothing. Steaming bowls of moule marinier, unlike any you've ever tasted. Delectable pumpkin ravioli, made by hand. The most perfect rosemary-topped focaccia known to a bread lover. No doubt about it. Food was Marianne's first love, and Bertie's waistline had never been the same since meeting her. My little gourmand, she used to say, smiling and patting his stomach affectionately. Back when she used to do things like that. By contrast, Dora could barely work the toaster. There was one disastrous episode some weeks back when she attempted to impress him with her wifely talents by baking him a lemon drizzle that was so rock hard, when he bit into it he feared he'd actually chipped a tooth. They mostly ate out, but it scarcely bothered him. He hadn't really started sleeping with her for her baking skills. On taking in the kitchen, it became apparent that Marianne had been cooking up a storm that very evening. She often cooked extravagantly, even if only for herself, and this evening she appeared to have been really going for it. Two plates sat atop the kitchen island and bore the remnants of her famous pork goulash, a dish usually reserved for anniversaries and birthdays. Nobody had bothered to put them in the dishwasher yet, which momentarily struck him as a little unusual. Marianne kept a fastidiously clean house. She must have had too much wine with dinner. Indeed, there were two all-but-empty wine glasses in evidence, both with a thimble full of Toscana sitting at the bottom. This, too, is out of the ordinary. It was almost unheard of for his son and wife to share a bottle of wine of an evening, Max's tipple of choice usually being cheap American beer. He must be maturing. And she mellowing, Bertie mused. Bertie heaved open the fridge door, expecting his own plate of goulash to be chilling on the middle shelf, carefully covered in cling film. 
but upon thorough inspection, it appeared that no goulash had been saved for him. Milk, eggs, three kinds of local cheese and a pungent bundle of fresh mackerel, patiently awaiting their destiny as a delicious pâté. But definitely no leftover goulash. He shut the fridge, perplexed and a touch irritated. No matter how Marianne was feeling about him at any given time, she always, always fed him. She didn't know how not to feed people. She was hardwired to nourish. He felt that cold, dull ache spreading slowly across the shoulder blades and down his spine once more. He paused, leaning on the kitchen island, while he tried to fathom the meaning of the missing goulash. When a thought, sharp and clean as an icicle, hit him right between the eyes. Was this it? Did she know? Had his wife finally twigged that he saw a 23-year-old girl behind her back? Had he, at long last, been caught out? Some women would scream, throw plates, empty his bank account or lock him out of the house, but Marianne was just not given to such theatrics. She was an understated woman, a mild-mannered, practical, earthy person. She had no temper, really. She shouted at the screen during Wimbledon, occasionally. But that was about it. No, whenever she had been cross with him in the past, her weapon of choice had been to withhold her talents in the kitchen. She had only ever exercised this power once. Long before Dora, maybe a year or two after they were married, there had been that thing with that girl from the vineyard. He couldn't even summon her name now, but at the time he did seem to recall Marianne being pretty upset. Quiet, but definitely upset. She didn't cook for a fortnight, and he spent night after disappointing night chomping down burgers at the local branch of McDonald's, wondering if he'd be allowed to sleep in the bed that evening. He'd been much more careful since then, of course. He'd become something of a master at covering his tracks, at preparing watertight aliases and disposing of incriminating receipts. She'd have had to put in some serious time to catch him out. But maybe that's what she'd been doing these past few weeks. Spying on him. The more he thought about it, the more plausible it all became. The frequent late nights she'd been putting in for her book club. The last-minute trip to Rome that she claimed was for an advanced fettuccine course. The complete lack of interest in where he'd been lately. Was she feigning disinterest in him? Because she knew the truth? Had she worked it all out? Was she biding her time, gathering evidence, choosing the perfect moment to drop the axe and demand a costly, painful divorce? Perhaps she'd even hired a PI. Lord knows she watched enough HBO to consider it. He suddenly felt dizzy. He sat down heavily in the large leather armchair that occupied the far corner of the kitchen. Then he changed his mind, jumping to his feet. He needed a drink. He swiped a whiskey tumbler from his custom-made bar and poured himself three fingers of Japanese Nika. He retreated back to the chair, nursing his drink, his mind whirring and cranking as he frantically tried to work out what to do next. It didn't take him long for him to scare up the answer that, if he were honest with himself, had been creeping into the waiting room of his brain for weeks. He had to end it. Though he could tell himself any number of tall tales about really loving his wife deep down, 
about not being able to live without her, about the commitment he'd made to his marriage. The simple truth was this. The money was all Marianne's. Sure, he was the one who went to work every day. But it was a business built on her family's money. One that occasionally still needed bailouts from the vast personal trust that her wealthy parents had built for her. If they divorced, she'd get half the business and he'd be left with half of, well, not a lot. He looked about him at his lavish kitchen, the taste of the expensive whiskey in his mouth, the hefty tag wristwatch weighing down his right hand. No, he told himself firmly, he would not be leaving. He would categorically not be giving all of this up. Not for a 23-year-old who couldn't cook and didn't know who John Cleese was. Topping himself up with whiskey, he passed through his kitchen to the lounge and took an impromptu tour of his life. The tastefully framed family pictures, the paintings from a handful of moderately well-known artists, the grotesquely large TV. This was his life. His kingdom. What would it be without him? More pressingly, what would he be without it? He picked up a particularly beautiful silver frame that bore a photograph from his wedding day. He was handsome and slim in a morning suit, one arm around the waist of a rosy-cheeked, impossibly young Marianne. They looked happy, hopeful, ready to attack life together. The large ceramic clock over the fireplace ticked itself to 15 minutes past 12. He could do this, he decided. He could recommit to Marianne. He could live without Dora and her tawny collarbone and exotic undergarments. She would get over him. Move on to the next older man. Inevitable, surely. He would hunker down into his marriage, rediscover his wife and reset his life. He would come clean to Marianne in the morning, reassure her that it was nothing, a brief fling with a non-entity that he'd promise never to see again. Surely she wouldn't discard 22 years of marriage and everything they had together over a brief, meaningless indiscretion. He resolved to call Dora immediately. No, first thing in the morning. Maybe after lunch, when Marianne went out for her tennis lesson. The feverish planning was interrupted by the ping of his phone. He made his way back to the kitchen and fished it out of his jacket pocket. Boo, let's do Soho Farmhouse again this weekend. I'll pack that thing you like. Wink emoji, heart eyes emoji, bikini emoji. He studied the message for a long time. His newfound resolution suddenly under attack from the stirring in his boxes. Maybe he ought to see her this weekend. Break it off in person. It was only decent. Definitely not Soho Farmhouse, though. That would inevitably end the way it always did. No. He'd meet her for a brief, sexless coffee. Somewhere discreet and lay it down for her nice and clearly. It was over. They couldn't see one another anymore. And she wasn't to contact him again. And that was final. On the other hand, they had shared six blissful months together. That's longer than some marriages. Surely it was a bit, well, heartless, wasn't it? To just dump her during some clinical coffee date. After all she'd done for him? 
after all they'd shared. Maybe he should take her to Soho Farmhouse. One last hurrah. Go out with a bang, as it were. The more he thought about it, the more he felt positively duty-bound to take his mistress away for one last naughty weekend. It felt like the only honourable thing to do. He downed the last of his whisky and placed his tumbler next to the sink. Satisfied that he had made a series of good decisions, he climbed the stairs, pulling the door to the master bedroom too, as he made his way down the hall to the spare room. He always slept there, if he came in late. He hated to disturb her. He changed into the set of pyjamas he kept in the spare room's chest of drawers. With warm thoughts of Dora in one of Soho Farmhouse's hot tubs, chasing themselves around his head, he silently congratulated himself on his calm and measured approach to this most delicate of problems. Without so much as cleaning his teeth, he switched off the light and snuggled down into the fresh sheets, falling almost instantly into a deep, happy sleep. In the master bedroom, Marianne finally breathed out. Christ, I thought he'd never go to sleep. What was he doing down there? In the semi-darkness, Marianne could just make out Charlie's muscular shape, propping himself up on one elbow and reaching for her with his other arm. God knows. I'm so sorry. I was sure he'd be at hers all night. It's fine. Did you leave your shoes down there? What about your car? I parked two roads away, baby. Stop worrying. So she did. This short story was brought to you by Copycat Creative and read by Helen Keeley. To receive a saucy shorts email to your inbox every Friday, please subscribe via the link found on the Saucy Shorts podcast homepage. Saucy Shorts. Just a little bit of what you fancy.